This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for Thursday, October 6th, 2022. Along with our regular look at the week's news highlights, we'll be discussing recent legislation passed by the European Union that requires most computer and mobile devices to use USB-C ports exclusively. So what's the big deal? Is there a downside? Here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's chief security analyst, Josh Long. Good morning, Josh. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you, Kirk? I'm just fine. You were a few time zones away. You went around the world talking about Apple security updates, didn't you, to a couple of conferences? That's right. Yeah. Two weeks ago, I was at Texas Cyber Summit. And then last week, I was at Virus Bulletin. I talked about all the, the things that we have talked about many, many times on this podcast that most people are just not aware of, that there is not parity between the security updates that Apple releases for the current operating systems versus the ones they release for the previous operating systems. And we were just talking before the show about the Apple Watch Series 3 that Apple sold until just when they announced that it wasn't getting watchOS 9. And I looked on the Apple website and I see that Apple's still selling refurbished Apple Watch Series 3s, which are stuck on watchOS 8, which means don't buy it. Well, yeah, this is one of the sort of bombshell revelations in my talk, like that really surprised a lot of people who, of course, don't listen to the podcast, that Apple announced watchOS 9, they continued selling Apple Watch Series 3, and they continued doing that until the very day that they released the new Series 8. And so within the same month, they were selling the Series 3, and they stopped releasing updates for the Series 3. It's possible that maybe Apple will continue to release some watchOS 8 updates specifically for that model, but Apple hasn't said one way or another, so we just don't know at this point. I think it's probably pretty likely that they will, at least for some period of time, maybe for the next year. I don't know, but it's almost unfathomable to me that Apple would continue selling a device when they already know, and everybody already knows, that the next operating system is not going to support it. Speaking of devices that aren't supported, Google's Pixel 4 has hit end of life after three years of service, which is an awfully short lifespan for a phone. Uh, you and I update our phones every year or two, depending. But I think a lot of people will keep a phone for more than three years. And this means that they're not getting any more updates this is kind of dangerous, isn't it? Yeah. Well, for me, it was actually four years because I had a uh, an iPhone XS and then I just upgraded to the uh, 14 Pro. So it was four years for me. And I know a lot of people who are still on, for example, uh, an iPhone 11 or even something even older than the XS. It's not at all uncommon for people to still be using, you know, iPhone 7s and things like that, which are now not going to get the latest operating system. They're going to be stuck on iOS 15. But even that, I mean, so looking at that, that's many, many years old at this point. So Apple actually does, if you compare that to what some of the Android phone manufacturers are doing, Apple's actually not in such a bad position. They are still supporting the latest operating system on hardware much older than a lot of these Android manufacturers. The Pixel, of course, this is is Google's flagship phone. This is a big deal that only three years of, of 
of life support, you know, that that's not so great. The day we released this podcast episode, Google is having a new product announcement where they're going to be presenting the Pixel 7. So if you're a Google phone fan, well, you're probably not listening to this podcast if you're a Google phone fan, but you might be your Mac user using a Google phone because you have to for work. You might be interested in checking out the new Google Pixel 7. I know I'm not, but... <laughs> Well, I just got a new iPhone. I don't really need a Google phone. Just a, a quick note, Apple has been releasing beta versions of the new operating systems at an increasingly frenetic rhythm. It's been every week now for the past three betas. We're recording this on Wednesday the 5th, so on Tuesday the 4th, they released betas for, I think, pretty much everything. It suggests that we're going to see releases of iPad OS and Mac OS Ventura very soon. Now, Apple did say Ventura would be released in October. There are rumors through Apple's designated leaky Mark Gurman saying that they won't be doing a physical event, even with films, and that they'll issue press releases for new iPads, which suggests that when iPadOS 16 comes out, 16.1, it's going to be called for iPadOS, there won't be anything fancy in new iPads. It's just going to be a minor update. It also suggests we're not going to see the new M1, M2, M3 Mac Pro yet. So that will definitely require an event with a presentation with the word magical all through it when they come out with that computer. But I don't think we're going to see that in October. Right. The one thing that is pretty certain is that, I mean, Apple has announced that macOS Ventura and iPadOS 16 are going to be coming out this month. When exactly this month, we don't know. Apple hasn't said yet. But typically at the beginning of a week, so could come as early as next week. One thing that's good to know, by the way, if you've got Intego software, we've been testing it, of course, with the macOS Ventura betas, and everything looks like it's going to work just fine with macOS Ventura. Okay. Today, we want to talk about USB-C ports because the European Union has announced that they are mandating USB-C ports on small electronic devices. And this includes devices like mobile phones, tablets, e-readers, mice and keyboards, GPS devices, headphones, headsets, and earphones, digital cameras, handheld video game consoles, and portable speakers. This is supposed to take effect in 2024. Laptops get an additional two years through 2026 to have USB-C ports. The main reason for this is waste. There is so much waste when you have one cable to charge this device, a different cable to charge that device, and... You know, I've got this box of cables that goes back decades and they change every few years. And and right now, if I look at the things in my office at Plugin, some of them use USB-C, some of them use Lightning, some of them use micro USB. So that's three different types of cables. And it's just a waste. And it's a waste of cables and it's a waste of chargers. You don't have to get a charger anymore, which is a good thing because most people already have 11 chargers from their previous phones. We had a long discussion before we started recording, and you're not really in favor of this USB-C thing. It seems that you kind of think this is a step backwards. Well, in some ways. So I, I think that the intention behind this is good. I, I think they had some some good reasoning for wanting this legislation. So the, the idea behind it is let's standardize everything on one port so that everything will be more green. So we don't have to also, you know, spend a, a bunch of money on cables that we're going to end up throwing away or sitting in a box. So there's less manufacturing required, less shipping required. And so it, in, in essence, this is all good for the environment. That's the theory behind this legislation. But 
Yeah, so there are some things that I'm not so sure they really thought through completely. One of those things is that if you wanted to have a device that is entirely charged wirelessly. So if you have a device that is charged through inductive charging or usually colloquially called wireless charging, I'll just say wireless because it's easier and everyone says that anyway, then you... You actually, now the EU is mandating that you have to be able to charge that device through USB-C. And then if you want to have wireless charging, you can also add that. So <laughs> they they act like they're being very generous with this. They're giving the freedom to manufacturers to have whatever wireless charging technology you want, as long as you have it alongside a USB-C port. Right. Can I rebut this? Because one of the main problems with wireless charging is it's not very efficient. I think you lose 15 or 20 percent of the power when you're charging wirelessly. It just converts to heat because of the way the system works. Apple's MagSafe system is a little bit better than the standard inductive charging because the magnets position the coils on the two devices pretty close together compared to just some random what's called a Qi charger, which is the standard. I think the biggest problem is if you had to carry around one of these wireless charging disks rather than just a USB-C cable when you're out and you need to charge your device, it's not really that good. Plus, this wireless charging is not fast. You'll be able to do fast charging over USB-C. With the wireless charging, it's more like an overnight charge. Right. Now, what I do think is kind of interesting to speculate about. Uh, and and there have been rumors and speculation that Apple might want to go portless on some future devices. Maybe not across the entire iPhone product line. I don't envision that probably on the Pro models that Apple's going to want to get rid of the port because, as you say, you can charge the phone faster and you can also do faster data syncing if you have, well, really, if you have a USB-C port, if we're being honest, because lightning is not that fast. So from the perspective of kind of forcing Apple to get off of this antiquated lightning technology, okay, not not bad. I I don't think that that's something that would be terrible. I I think it it actually probably would be a good thing for iPhones to move to USB-C. And I think that they probably are already planning to do that. I was a little bit surprised that USB-C wasn't introduced on iPhones with the iPhone 14 line this year. Antiquated lightning technology. I like that. That's kind of nice. It's not that old. It's old in the broader scheme of things. If you remember the 30-pin dock connector that was in the iPad before, so it's a little bit newer than that. The problem with lightning, other than the fact that it's a different cable, is that Apple makes money from it. They own that protocol, and they charge companies a licensing fee to make devices that work with it. So why should they be skimming VIG off the top every time someone makes a cable when anyone can make USB-C cables? Yeah, well, I I don't even personally care too much about that. I I just think that USB-C being a better technology that allows for faster syncing, I I think that that really, especially the pro models, they they should be using USB-C. There's no reason to not be using USB-C at this point on an iPhone. However, what I think is kind of interesting is let's talk about the theoretical wireless only iPhone. So if Apple wanted to, again, probably not for the pro models, but let's say maybe for a lighter introductory model, right? The cheap model. 
Apple could decide to go wireless in the future. Now, they can't do that in the EU because of this new legislation. But what they could do is they could have uh, maybe a version of it that's exclusive to the U.S., and they could say that this is for security reasons, just like how they got rid of the, the SIM card slot in the U.S. They could do the same thing by removing the port. Now, here's why they could say this is for security reasons. It's pretty well known that law enforcement and government agencies have access to technologies that you can connect to the physical port on an iPhone and then attempt to hack that device. And eventually, especially if you're not using a very complex password to get into your device, law enforcement or government agencies will be able to break into just about any iPhone given enough time. In fact, really, if you give it enough time, eventually there's going to be vulnerabilities found in whatever version of the operating system you have on your device, and they'll have some way to hack into it. But it's much more difficult to break into devices if they don't have that physical port that you can just connect one of these uh, hacking devices to. So Apple could say, you know, they could make it it, their burner phone, right? <laughs> the, the introductory model, the cheap model could be Apple's burner phone. They wouldn't call it that, of course. No, no but no, they'd call it the iBurner. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but it is an interesting concept, right? It's better for security. And Apple cannot do something like that now in the EU because of this mandated USB-C port. So what I wonder is what happens when you have a problem and you have to restore iOS onto the device. Can you do that inductively? I'm not sure that that's entirely possible, or if it is possible, the data transfer rate would probably be so slow that it would be problematic. So let's say you've just got your new iBurner iPhone and you have a problem setting it up and you have to restore the operating system. Well, you can plug it into a computer and you can fix it. If you don't have a computer, you have to take it to the Apple store and they can plug it in and fix it. So I don't know what the possibilities for troubleshooting a device are, recovering a device. Right, right. And that is a, a potential challenge. But at the same time, there, there's a lot of Apple stores across the US, not in every area, but... For me to go to my Apple store, it's a half day. It's an hour each way, plus the time it takes for someone to fix it. So no. Right. I mean, this this obviously doesn't work for everybody. But again, the, the frequency of having to do a full restore and and reset a device from scratch and physically plug it in in order to do that, it's not a very common thing. I think for most people, they just, you know, install the OS updates when they get prompted to. And, and as we've talked about before, sometimes there's a multi-week delay in between, you know, when Apple actually re releases an iOS update and when your phone will actually notify you that there's an iOS update. And so they can work out the bugs in that amount of time usually. So most of the time, end users are not going to have a problem where they're going to need to physically connect to restore their device. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some more interesting things about USB-C. Protecting your online security and privacy has never been more important than it is today. Intego has been proudly protecting Mac users since 1997, and our latest Mac protection suite includes the tools you need to stay protected in 2022. Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9 includes Virus Barrier, the world's best Mac anti-malware protection, Net Barrier for powerful inbound and outbound firewall security, 
personal backup will keep your important files safe from ransomware. And much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Best of all, it's compatible with macOS Monterey and the latest Apple Silicon Macs. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today. When you're ready to buy, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get a special discount by using the link in this episode's show notes at podcast.intego.com. That's podcast.intego.com. And click on this episode to find the special discount link exclusively for Intego Mac Podcast listeners. Intego, world-class protection and utility software for Mac users. Made by the Mac security experts. So, one of your criticisms, Josh, which you haven't expressed yet, was the fact that, but they're telling us we have to use USB-C. What if there's a better port, you said? And I retorted, well, imagine if governments told us that we had to use a specific plug on the wall to plug things into. The thing is that the USB-C port is just a vehicle, right? The USB-C plug is... You know, it can go from USB 2 speeds, that's relatively slow, up to Thunderbolt 4, which is 40 gigabits per second with 100 watts power. So the cable itself is what counts. It's not the plug connector. It's the chip that's in that bit next to the plug. It's the way the cable is made and all of that. What would be wrong with standardizing on a specific data plug socket pair that on, on the back end has lots of flexibility. Right. So to your point, what, what you're saying here, just to restate that, is that USB-C is, is just a, a shape of a port. Right. And, and, and so there's lots of different technologies that can... Well, it's a shape of a port and it's the positioning of a number of pins that are inside the port. Right, exactly. And so it is possible, sure, uh, you could have a USB-C port on some future iPhone that is able to actually take advantage of Thunderbolt 4, for example, because it uses that USB-C shape. So yes, theoretically, as long as USB-C remain that if that shape, that port um, remains the standard for the foreseeable future, maybe a decade or more, then yeah, maybe it's not such a big problem. But if standards groups decide that, you know, we think this port is a little too thick, we want to standardize on something that's even smaller that becomes a problem because if it's not backwards compatible with USB-C, now then the EU has to update their legislation before they're allowed to sell devices that use some new smaller port. That could be a problem for innovation. Okay, but you said, now I've never seen this, but I mentioned micro USB. There are a lot of devices that use that, which is a thinner plug than USB-C. And you said that they bend easily. So do you think they would want to make a USB-D that bends easily? I don't think so. I think they've reached a state where it's solid enough and easy enough to use, and it can go in either direction, et cetera. I mean, it looks like a long-term thing. Like, look at the plugs on the wall where your computer's plugged into, right? That's been around for, what? A century, if not more? Yeah, USB-C could, again, it's entirely possible that this could be the standard for a decade or more, but we don't know. I, I, and, and I guess that that's what kind of is a little bit concerning to me is that, that if, if anyone wanted to innovate and have something that was thinner, now you can't do that. 
Or if you wanted to eliminate ports, again, now you can't do that. What if wireless charging within the next five or so years becomes so much better that you don't you don't really need to have a physical port anymore? Or, or again, in that scenario where maybe Apple decides to eliminate it because they feel they don't want it on a particular product, if they wanted to go purely wireless, they cannot do that anymore in the EU. And that's what feels kind of uncomfortable to me. I'm doing the tiny violin here. <laughs> <laughs> the the thing is, when I look at all the cables I have of different kinds, I, I laud the EU's decision to get rid of all this gunk because the industry was not able to do this. That's the thing. The industry kept creating new protocols and new versions of cables that they were licensing to make money off of, right? The industry was not able to self-regulate. Let's get rid of all these cables. Down with the cables, off with their plugs. <laughs> Uh -huh. No, seriously, you know, you've got the same boxes of cables. When I moved from France to the UK, I threw out things like SCSI cables and Apple Talk cables and tons of FireWire cables, and they just all pile up because the, they're all so different. Now, at least, I could have one USB-C cable on my credenza over there where I charge things, and I could plug all my devices in. Of course, I'm going to need more than one because I've got multiple devices to charge, and that's the problem with wireless charging. It's a lot harder to charge multiple devices because the disks, they're more expensive. They have to be flat, whereas I put mine on the edge where I charge like my MacBook Air, my iPad Pro, my Kindle, etc. I line them all up on the edge. So convenience, less junk. I, I think it's a win-win. Okay. Well, <laughs> we can have differences of opinion on this. So you mentioned earlier that you've only got a couple of devices that use USB-C. Uh, currently. Well, yeah, ironically, right now, the only devices that I have that are USB-C, I have a couple of MacBooks and Beats headphones, and that's it. Those are the only things that I have that use USB-C. Every All the other devices that I'm using, iPhones, iPads, and such, are all using lightning ports. So for me, it's kind of the reverse of what they're trying to go for, right? They want to reduce the, the number of cables that you're having to go out and buy. And for me, I've got a ton of lightning cables, and I don't need to go out and buy a bunch of USB-C cables. But you won't have to buy it. When you get a new iPad with USB-C, it'll come with a cable. So your cable's there. Right. So so th th this is a, a good thing that Apple is still giving cables in the boxes, right? But they did eliminate the the charger, right? They're, they're not giving you the AC charger that plugs into the wall anymore when you buy an iPhone. They're just giving you the phone and a USB-C to lightning cable currently. And so in theory, once, you know, Apple replaces that lightning port with a USB-C port, it's going to be a USB-C to USB-C cable. And it's basically, it's going to be probably using the USB 3 or 4 standard, not, you know, Thunderbolt. It's not going to be like amazingly fast transfer rates and things like that. It's going to be a standard USB-C cable. But the advantage of USB-C is it can be Thunderbolt, it can send data, it can send power, it's that flexible. Whereas Lightning Cable is really limited, Micro USB is really limited. It's more forward looking because it's more flexible, right? So For now. <laughs> yes, but if in 15 years there's a better protocol comes along, I don't see why it wouldn't be changed. It would be 15 years of simplification, right? Because the Lightning Cable has been around for at least 15 years, hasn't it? 
but how many years is, is has it already taken the EU to push forward this legislation to finally decide to adopt it, and then a couple more years before it actually is going to be enforced? And so what I'm saying is, if somebody comes along with something more innovative, at some point in the future, at any point in the future, the EU is now going to have to have new legislation to decide to adopt a new standard. Even if the entire rest of the world is already on that new standard, they're going to have to have new legislation to adopt that standard. What would it be like if you lived in a state that adopted standards for fuel economy in cars and that every other state had to follow because that one state made all those decisions? You live in that state, Josh. Yeah, right. I know. California is doing things like that with cars. Yeah, yeah. What's interesting is that the UK said that they will not follow this EU plan for USB-C. Now, this was back in June they said this. Of course, we're Brexit. We're out of the EU. We don't have to follow it. It's like, can you imagine Apple actually, when Apple releases an iPhone with USB-C, they're going to release it around the world. They're not going to have a lightning cable edition for the UK. That's just daft. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, again... I don't have a problem with iPhones of today having USB-C. I think that's a great thing. I think it's better than the Lightning port. I it it just the the whole idea of a mandated specific port that the law tells you you must have this one specific port and that's it. It it just feels there's something uncomfortable about that. I don't like the idea of the law saying you must have this one specific port. I, I feel like that may not necessarily in the long term be the best idea. Like the one on the wall where you plug in your iMac, right? You you keep talking about plugs on the walls, but we, we have different plugs in every country. I mean, like... Yeah, but in every state in the United States, you have the same plug. It's, it's mandated by electrical codes, isn't it? Yeah, well... Is it just a de facto standard? I don't know. It might just be a de facto standard that's developed over the years. But what happens is all the manufacturers realize that this is the best thing. Let me give you another example. I got an electric car, and there are... I think there are six different types of plugs for electric cars, and they're all standardizing because a friend in the U.S. who has a Tesla explained that the first electric cars in the U.S. came from different Asian countries, and each one had their own plug style. But what's happening now is they're standardized, and the U.K. is requiring that all electric cars going forward have what's called a Type 2 plug. They're requiring that you have to be able to use this specific cable with this plug for an electric car. Interesting. Which, and that's very, very similar to the EU's new legislation about USB-C in, in the sense that now you have the law saying you must standardize on this one port. But this is good for consumers when you think about it. Because waste, licensing fees that Apple charges to, to use lightning cables. And I want to point out, I don't know about you, but the number of frayed, dangerously frayed lightning cables I have seen over the years suggest that that technology is really not very long lasting. Well, or that has more to do with the way that they're manufacturing those cables, because there are a lot of third party cables. cables. There are a lot of third party cables, though, that are reinforced that don't have that fraying problem that Apple's official cables, unfortunately, do. But but again, to like getting back to, to that point of like standardizing on things on the cars again, that sounds really great for today. But when there's better, a better port, 
for charging your car, now the UK is going to have to adopt the legislation to allow switching to that new port or, or to mandate a new port if they want to go that direction. See, that, that what's interesting is that you're imagining that there will be a better port, yet why could there be a better port? <laughs> what, you don't think that there's going to be better technologies like in, in a few years for charging a, a car? Well, uh, charging a car is a much simpler example than charging an electronic device because it's not just charging, it's also sending data, right? So w- let's take an example of a MacBook uh, Air that I have here. It's got USB-C to charge, but also to connect to a display. So you've got two things going on. Now, technically, they could have one port for charging only, and use a different port to connect to a display if they need to. That's entirely possible, as long as they have the one charging port. In fact, my MacBook Air has two USB-C ports and one MagSafe connector. So they're allowed to use that different charger as long as there's a USB-C port. So I think if we think about an iPhone that has a single port, then yes, there are going to be differences. But let's just worry about the waste. And let's worry about, you know, not making all these cables that end up being thrown away. I just want to quickly go through the list. So you only have a couple of devices. I've got a MacBook Air, iPad Pro, iPad Mini. I've got a Sonos Roam portable speaker, which already has USB-C and also does wireless charging. I use the the Qi charging more often because it just sits vertically on the charger. Amazon's latest Kindle Paperwhite has USB-C already. So a lot of companies have been doing this proactively because USB-C is better and more efficient anyway. And it's probably cheaper for any company to start standardizing on something rather than having a wide range of different possibilities. Well, and I think part of the reason why so many companies have already been adopting USB-C is because this legislation has been in the works for uh, a quite a, a period of time as well. And so I think a lot of these companies have also seen the writing on the wall and decided, you know, maybe we need to finally ditch micro USB, micro USB and lightning. I, I feel like both of them have like pretty significant problems. And I think that USB C pretty well solves that. So again, I, I don't have any problem with USB C at the present time. It's just that, you know, forward looking, you know, that that's, that's where I, I find it a little concerning, but again, I'm not worrying about this. I'm not losing any sleep over this. So just a quick comment, because in the BBC article we'll link to, they mention all these different types of device. They say digital cameras. And what's interesting is maybe small digital cameras are only chargeable, but the cameras I have all have removable batteries. I can't imagine that this would apply to devices with removable batteries. Right? I don't know. <laughs> well, the batteries are removable and they go on a specific charger that's provided with the camera. And this is these are really big batteries and they're very different from the kind of batteries you get in remote controls. They're they're large and thick and they have a different kind of profile. So I can't imagine that they'll necessarily have to have a USB C port on digital cameras. More and more cameras do have them, if only for transferring data without taking an SD card out. Portable speakers is kind of obvious. I mentioned my Sonos Roam and Bluetooth speakers all have micro USB. Headphones, headsets, and earphones, I'm old enough to remember when they didn't even need power. Yeah, well, they do now. (laughs) And USB-C is a good way to do it. Okay, that's enough for this week. I doubt that by next week we'll be talking about new operating systems coming out, but you never know. Most likely to be on a Tuesday. So since we record Wednesday, if they do come out next Tuesday, we'll tell you all about them. Until next week, Josh, stay secure. All right, stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. 
To get every weekly episode, be sure to follow us in Apple Podcasts or subscribe in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software. Intego.com.